<laughs> but y'all know we've been in the Sherman series, and we're getting back to it. So, oh, so let me just touch base a little bit, right? I, I, I took two Sundays off in a row, which I've never done. Yeah, what happened? The kids are dismissed. That was I was a kid. So go ahead, kids. Find your way out. Oh, baby, look at me get caught up. Take a breath. We've been in a series, and you know that after the kids are gone, have a great time. That has been called the Seven Signs, and it's been. We've been looking at the seven miracles when Jesus uh, performed in the book of John. Now, John calls a sign, doesn't say miracles. The sign defines someone's glory. And so we were looking at these signs and the miracles that Jesus has done. And we're looking at these seven miracles, seven miraculous signs in the book of John and other places. And John called them signs. And we've defined that signs over and over again. We've said that signs are miracles with an instruction. A sign is something that Jesus did, but it's for our benefit. It's something that we learn from. It's something that we, we have to pay attention to. We don't just look at Jesus' miracle and go, wow, that was that was amazing, and then go on. No, no, what Jesus is performing these miracles for the disciples and for us to learn something from so that when we can recall that stuff that he did, in our own life, we can see, you know what, Jesus is a miracle working God. So when we see the things we can't get through, we don't forget these things. And it, it, it reveals the glory of Jesus Christ. The signs that John said, these are signs. And they reveal them. So today we're going to be in John chapter 9. If you have your scriptures with you, bring your Bibles to church if you're better Christian. But if you have your apps, that'd be all right too. Digital people. But we're going to be in John chapter 9 and we're going to read 1 through 7. I'm going to read 16 and 25 because this is a very, very long story. It's a very, very long account in the Bible. I'm going to give you some of the clip notes, some of the highlights as we work through this. Um, but I'm going to try to, I'll try this again. My, my fella, I'll try this again, but I might lean on you. Just give you a little, I'll, I'll just point this to you. Uh, but John chapter 9. And verse 1, it'll be on the screen. Was that me or you? Those will be. John chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Everybody say birth. Birth. It's important to remember. Uh, and he says this, it says, uh, Rabbi. Disciples asked. Disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Uh-oh. He started asking these weird questions. Was it because of the sins of his parents or his own sins? It was not because of his, the sins of his parents. Jesus said, asking the wrong questions. Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And he said, we must quickly carry out the task assigned by us. That's going to be you, Bella. Sorry. We must quickly carry out this task assigned to us by the one who sent us because the night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light. Now remember, the guy was born blind. And when you're blind, all you see is darkness. And Jesus says the glory of God is going to be revealed in this man. That's why he's blind. And I am the light of the world. 
And then it gets a little weird. I'm sorry if you just ate your breakfast. Because then he spit on the ground. And he made mud with the saliva. I know. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. And so the man went and came back seeing. Now there was some tradition involved in this. During this time, some theologians and some people there believed there was something in the DNA, right? The actual makeup. And, and something either supernatural, even supernatural about the saliva. And so Jesus uses this as a point of faith for the crowd to see. And if you can imagine this, literally Jesus takes this mud that he just made and it literally places his DNA. To, that's him. That's his saliva, Jesus Christ. And he makes it, he places it on this man's eyes. And there's this transfer, there's this healing that happens. Now again, this is not a normal practice, right? Jesus didn't do this a lot, and I wouldn't encourage any of y'all to try any of this. But it was a picture of God's deity at this time, and a man's humility. God's deity and man's humility meeting at this moment, and there's a healing that takes place. Now we're going to go over to verse 16. Verse 16, now some of the Pharisees said, This man, Jesus, is not from God. For he is working on the Sabbath. And literally they said that making this mud was work. And others said, but how can an ordinary sinner, oh Jesus is good, you better watch yourself boy. How could any ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Somebody said deep division. Tempted to preach, but I'm going to keep moving. Now the, the, they began to question this man. They, they began to say, who healed you? And, and how did he heal you? And, and what did he say to you? What did he do? And all these questions start coming to the man who was healed. And the man basically goes, guys, I don't have a lot of details for you, but I do know this. In verse 25, I don't know whether this man is a sinner. I don't know what you're talking to. I don't know what you're saying about this Jesus, but I do know this. I was blind, and now I can see. I was blind. I don't know all this other stuff. And I don't really want to get wrapped up in all your arguments and your detail. Man, church people are arguing, right? Isn't that weird? I don't want to get wrapped up in all your stuff, but I'm going to tell you what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. And I love this story so, so, so much. Go ahead. Because this story, I, I just want to preach for a few moments from this idea. God's glory, my story. God's glory. Why was this man blind? He was blind to show God's glory. God's glory, my story. I believe that the plan of God for our lives, in his glory, right? The signs reveal his glory. Walk with me through this. I believe that this should be a picture, a model of our own testimony. And it should be what we're able to say about our relationship with God. Our life brings God glory, and God's work in our life has led to good in our lives. And that's literally point one in my sermon. It is this, God's glory, my good. 
God's glory. I want you to know that this morning. For the life of the believer, this, this can be and should be your testimony. God's glory. My good. Not just I go to church for an hour on Sunday. Not just every once in a while I crack open the Bible. Not just every once in a while I pray. Like when I really get in trouble. No, we can live a life where we can say this is for God's glory. I'm living, literally living for God's glory. Now this man has a relationship with God. All of a sudden, right, he comes upon this Jesus. He's blind from birth. And now he has a relationship. Now he was blind from birth so that this God's glory would be revealed. He gets healed and he comes. I don't know anything else, but all I know is I was blind. Now I see. That's our testimony. My relationship with God has led to my good. I am better because of my relationship with God. I think bigger. My faith is stronger. My heart is larger. I, I love better. I love more. I'm more complete of a person because of my relationship with God. I was blind and now I see. I made whole. That's God's plan for you. Remember, remember Jesus said in John 10.10, uh, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or more abundantly. And this is our testimony. It should be our story. As I said during the, during the, during the beginning of the service, you know, I, I, I'm kind of sick and tired of people telling me they're sick and tired. We serve a God of yes and amen, a God of tomorrow, a God of hope. We should be the people of hope. Not looking at our shoes, agreeing with people that think there's just no hope for this world. Yeah, you're right. No, 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 no. People get stuck a lot of times, and, and we see it in this, in this story. People get stuck asking the wrong questions. This story is full of wrong questions. Think about it. They see a blind man, the disciples. Love the disciples. Right? The disciples are you and me, right? A little bit remedial sometimes. They don't have the benefit of reading the stories and, and, and having all that end game. They don't have, have any. This is happening in real time. And so they see the blind man and the question of the disciples, who sinned? Right? First thing, look at the scriptures. Who sinned? Did the parents sin? Did the man sin? Well, what, who's somebody, you know, what's going on here? Which is a dumb thought to think that the man sinned because he was born blind. But they have this way of thinking. Basically, they're saying, who's to blame? <coughs> right? They're asking this question. Who's to blame? Whose fault is it? Who's to blame? They're asking the wrong questions. Someone once famously said that there are no wrong questions, right? There's no dumb questions. There, there are some. <laughs> there, there really are, right? Come on. Come on. There are. Because if you ask wrong questions, you'll get the wrong results. And they were obsessing over the wrong thing. Whose fault is this? Who's to blame? Who can we point fingers at? Why is this man blind? Who deserves this? Is it on the parents? Is it on him? What is it? And Jesus said, this didn't happen because of the parents' sin or his own sin. And this didn't happen because of any specific sin. Jesus said, no, no, this, this is so the power of God can be revealed, all right? This is going to lead to this man's healing right now. You're asking the wrong things, Jesus is saying. Jesus is like, my glory is about to be revealed. My power is about to be revealed. Stop asking the wrong questions. Stop trying to understand things that honestly, disciples, 
or above your pay grade. And that's, we get a lot of that trouble sometimes. We try to explain natural things, supernatural things, and we're just natural people, and, and God is supernatural and can do anything. And we try to explain it the way, like, no, you don't know the situation I'm in. I can't get out of this. No, no, we serve a God that moves mountains. We ask the wrong questions. And honestly, we live our life sometimes stuck in why. Why, why, why? I got to know why. Why God? Why, 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 was I, why am I living in this situation, God? Why do I? And honestly, maybe we won't know the answer to the whys in our life, all of them, this side of heaven. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with trusting God with the why? You got to know why. I'm a fixer. Any other fixers in the room? Like, I just got to fix things. You know what I mean? If something's broke, I got to fix it. If something's wrong, I got to try it right. If something's not working right, I got to work on it. Like, like, I mean, literally a minute and a half before I came up here this morning, something wasn't right on the website, and I, I had to fix it. And thankfully, my brother Dave back here is, gosh, let me handle this for you. I'm like, I think I can get it. Then there's countdowns going down. I'm like, all right, Dave, you got it. But I'm a fixer, and, and Dave's a fixer. And there's a lot of fixers in the room. And sometimes this side of heaven, we, we're not going to get the answer to why it happened. You ever have something broken, you fix it, you don't know what happened? It's just, all right, it just started working. Are you okay with not knowing why? Sometimes I am, sometimes not. But maybe there's a better question. There's a lot of polarizing topics in the world today, right? Polarizing, like a lot of them. And instead of asking why do you why this and why that, maybe better questions would be like, how can I glorify God in this season? Maybe not always asking God, why am I here? But how can I glorify you even though I'm here? Or maybe we should ask questions like, what can I learn in this season? Or what God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me in this season? Maybe we should ask ourselves questions like, who can we help? Who can we come alongside and put our arm around and love through whatever they're going Who can I encourage? Don't be ready to go all the time. I say this a lot. We'll be ready to go. Some people are just powder kegs. They're ready to go. Like the fuse is right here. and They're ready, man. You say one of those hot button polarizing things, they got their opinions, man, they're ready. You know the Fighting Irish logo? That's what I see some people like that. You know, kind of like, ready to roll. Ready to go. Boy, someone, you could be talking about the weather and talking about, but you get one of those hot button issues that's their thing, man, they're ready to go. They're ready to go. But maybe the question could be, who can I encourage? Who can I walk alongside with? How, I mean, it can be very easy to get self-focused. <laughs> why, 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 why me, why this, why did this happen? Why, God, have I been dealt this hand in my life? Instead of that, flip it around. You know what? God's glory, my good. How, how can I get bring God glory in this? What is God doing? How is God speaking? How can I honor and glorify Him? I want to submit to you this morning that we can bring every circumstance in our life to Jesus. Every season to Jesus, every major decision to Jesus, the good, the bad, we bring it in our lives, we bring it to the Lord. Not only glorify Him in that, but be better because of that, because God's glory, my goodness, with me.
We don't get lost in the why. A lot of times Christians, right, we're, we're in like a challenging season. A lot of times Christians get like really challenging, like serious stuff. Um, they get mad at God, right? God, what? How come so-and-so and I think they play the comparison game, right? They look through social media and they're like, man, it seems like they're on vacation every month. No, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wait two weeks. I'm ready. But, you know, they, they get mad at God. And a lot of times they, when they're in a season, they, they forget about God. You know, like, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not going, I'm not going there. I'm not going through this. I get around those church people and they get all judgy and they know my situation and they know that I've got myself here and I get it, but God's grace is bigger and I understand that, but they still say that with a sour look on their face. God's grace is bigger than my problem. Do you believe that? Might want to tell your face because you know they're gonna, I'm not going to get around God. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be around those judgy church people. Is this hitting anybody this morning? Am I preaching? But what if we turn that around? And we actually became learners or disciples or students of how God would have us react. We learned how to glorify God in the challenge. We learned how to glorify God in the mountaintops and the valleys. We learned how to glorify God on that mountaintop. There's going to be some really amazing seasons of our life, and there's going to be some really challenging seasons of our life. But what if we brought every season back to Jesus? That's where we live. That's where we stay. So close. We need to be so close. The Bible said in that in, in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said that the enemy is going to come with trial and tribulation to try and uproot the seed of God's word from our life. And so in challenging moments, you've got to understand that our enemy, we have an enemy, y'all know that, right? Y'all know that? We have an enemy, the devil, Satan, in that moment is going to do everything he can to separate you from Jesus. In those trying moments, he's going to try and get in there and say, see? But it's not a time to walk away. It's not a time to get mad. It's a time to dig deep and hold on to God. Tighter than you ever have. The scripture actually tells us in good times we can forget the Lord. It's actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. God tells the children of Israel, he says, I'm about to bless you. I'm about to prosper you. I'm about to, to help you. But when that happens, he says, do not forget me. Do not forget the Lord, for it is God, it is the Lord who gives us power and promise. He's literally saying, I'm about to bring you, children of Israel, into a promise. I'm about to bring you into a good season. I'm about to do something wonderful in your life. And he says, don't forget about me. He knows. So either way, whether you're, whether you're here this morning, you say everything is good, I want to say this, go after God. Or I want, to, I want to talk to that person who's going, man, pastor, you don't know. Everything is crumbling around me. Let me tell you this. Go after God. Don't disconnect. Don't forget. As he said, don't walk away. Don't forget me in those seasons. Hold on. Dig deep and hold on. Go in like you've never gone in I want to encourage somebody with this. I hope it's speaking to someone this morning to the Holy Spirit. Amen. That Romans 8.28, y'all know it. Some of you have it on a cross stitch. Some of you have it, you know, on a pillow at home and it's all cute. But these are, these are words of truth. 
The Romans 8.28 says this, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Who loves God? You folks, believers, who are called according to His purpose. God is working everything together for the good of those. That's you and me. He's working them together. All things. That doesn't mean that God causes all things. Pay attention. But it does mean that he will work in all things. I'm not saying that everything we're going through right now is a God thing. Right? Don't over-spiritualize things. Boy, help me preach on that. Don't over-spiritualize everything. Because you got the good, because the quarter was still in your car at all these, wasn't the God thing. It was the irresponsibility of the last person, or someone decided to bless the next person. I get that. Don't over-spiritualize it. But this means that God will work everything together so that we can glorify Him. So that we can glorify Him. He gets the glory. Our faith grows, He gets the glory. And in all things, He can work that thing out for my good, whatever it is. Talking about glorifying God and it being for our good. This is where God wants to take us. So no matter where the season you find yourself in, don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted. God wants to use this moment for your good. A pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I know what the word says. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says this. Remember Joseph, right? Joseph went through all this stuff. And he says, he says right in his face, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. You meant it for my evil. God turned it around. And God intended it for good. Because God intends to work things out in your life. That's his intention. You might be going through a season. Stuff happens. Evil's in the world. People are weird. People are jerks. People can do all kinds of stuff and try to get to you. God, will, God intends all of it for your good and to bring him glory. And he used this for my good and the saving of many lives, it says. So no matter what the enemy is throwing your way, God is working it together for your good. Uh, next, the next slide, number, my second point this morning. There's only eight, so hang in there. What? I've been gone two weeks. Time out. Pastor Kathy, Pastor Glenn, who was preaching somewhere else, did they bring it? Did they bring it? Yeah. They brought Despite our crack team of technical experts that were here and weren't here on vacation as well, I didn't say they smoked crack. I said they are the crack team of experts. That means something different. Two weeks. They brought it. So thank you for sharing with us those past couple weeks. I watched the live stream. And uh, number two. Well, if you're not taking notes, it's going to be a long two hours. Vision brings division. Watch this. Many times, vision actually brings about division. Here's what's amazing. Jesus heals this man. 
And, and, it, and here's what it leads to in the crowd. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, now, they were on the outside looking in, right? These people didn't get it. They were sad, you see. And, and you see, they... Here comes the hook. Somebody, thanks, man. Give me some love, guys. The Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, you have these normal people that were there, and you have the Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and you have, like, some of the religious elites that were there. And, and there were many different people with many different outlooks on life. Jesus heals the man. John tells us in verse 16 that it led to deep division. After the man was healed, this guy was blind, now I see. And here's those guys that were divided as soon as that happened. This man just got vision, and these guys were divided. How crazy is that? Not praise the Lord, not shouts of worship praise, not collapse for the Lord, not any of this. Jesus restores this guy's vision, and what does it immediately bring to these people? Division. It says it right in verse 16. And again, they weren't happy, still asking the wrong questions. So this is a lesson on wrong questions. They're trying to blame. Why is the man blind? And then he gets healed. Well, why did he heal him? He start, they start asking the grill of this guy. How did he heal you? What, what did he do? Who was it? And they're all messed up with these wrong questions. And they're unhappy with this man's new vision. The man gets new vision, and these guys are divided. Some of you are facing them. Some of you are facing it this week. Some of you are facing it in this last six months. Some of you are facing this in the last year. You know, you got this new walk, right? Maybe you've recommitted your life, gotten more serious about your relationship with Christ, or maybe you've met him for the first time and started walking with Jesus. And people, you just get, you get excited, right? You, like I said, you, know, you get around a new believer, they get excited. You go to teen camp, right? Everybody looking at your phone. You go to teen camp, right? I call right out. It's been two weeks. I don't care. I do not care. It's been, it's been weeks since you've been back from teen camp. Still got the fire? Is the fire still bubbling up in you? Right? Right? Right, grateful. Are you grateful? What? Gratitude. Right, gratitude. Yeah. Right? Something bubbling up inside. He almost got it. You get back into regular life, and then all your friends, and the fire starts to go out a little bit. We've all been there. Go back and look at your phone. <laughs> but you get this new life in Christ, this new... This new found like oh I didn't know and you get it and you're and you and you can't believe it and then you get around people and they don't want to celebrate with you. So your new vision, you see it now, brings division. The they don't even want it. They don't get it. You're wondering why people are mad at you about this. Like I just found Jesus and you should too. And they're like, don't talk to me about that stuff. We don't talk about two things in this house. Right. Politics and religion, we don't go there. People get frustrated. They don't celebrate with you. New life in Christ on Sunday feels like hope. New life in Christ on Sunday feels like love and faith. And it feels like all things are possible. And yes, and amen. But new life in Christ on Monday, it feels like change. It feels like transition. It feels like, feels like, in the worst way, new. 
You know, so it's like, man, I've given my life to Christ. I mean, God's given me a vision for my life, and I'm so excited. I got this new, I got some new values, I got some new patterns, I got some new ideas, some new thoughts, I got some new beliefs. I'm all in, God, yes, and amen. And we'll praise Him, and we'll eat that, and we'll sing, and we'll celebrate. And it's awesome until people don't understand it. And what feels so clear to you is actually. It feels like division to them. Oh, you're separating yourself now. Were you better than me? Anybody else experience this with life in Christ? I mean, I have. It feels like division. It's not that they're terrible people in your life. They're not terrible people. It's not that they're bad people or, or any of that. But clear vision oftentimes brings about division. Clear vision oftentimes brings about deep division. You tell somebody where you're going in your life because of Christ and His glory and your good, put it all together, and then it causes division. Am I preaching this morning? So you've got to change your habits, you've got to change your patterns, you've got to change your lifestyle, you've got to change your attitudes, and many times, many times here, that will bring about changes in relationships. God might say something to you in, in, in a service like this. God might speak to your heart and say, you know what? I'm calling you to something. And so you get this, this vision that God has laid on your life. And you know what? Your, your boyfriend or girlfriend might not understand. Your friend group might not understand. In that moment, you're going to have to deal with the pain of a new vision. The pain of misunderstanding and people not celebrating what God's doing in your life. You can't understand it. Because you're flat out excited. You're flat out on fire with what God's doing in my life. He has called me to something. I'm walking for the Lord. I am doing it. And you go home and you talk to people at work the next day. And they're like, huh? What's wrong with you? People don't understand it. This man was healed. And the people were divided. The man was delivered. And the people were confused. The man was set free. And the people argued. There was strife. There was deep division. And I want to challenge, especially if you're a new believer or maybe you like just got baptized, maybe you've recently given your life to Christ or rededicated your life to Christ, you're going to have to be okay with the misunderstanding. But let me just say this. Don't return insult for insult. Don't be ready to do Don't return hate for hate or anger for anger or curse for curse. People may not be happy with this new life that you have. Just love them. Forgive them. They're not haters or terrible people. They're just divided. Love them back. Care for them. Be kind to them. Speak well of them. Bless them. Important. Pray for them. Because when they come to their point of need, and they come to their point of knowing that they need God, they're going to remember your kindness, your loving words. Not this. this. Think about Joseph again. In Genesis, we talked about you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And in chapter 37, 
Uh, the Bible said that bro his brothers hated him because of his dream. Remember that? Joseph had this dream. Joseph had the coat of many colors. Some of you might know he was peripherally what that, that was a thing in the scripture. And he had this dream, and the dream was it was a little bit hard for his brothers to swallow. Read it yourself. You've been a Christian. They don't sell they didn't celebrate what they saw. They actually hated him because of what he saw. So they don't celebrate the vision that God gave him. They were actually more divided and they hated him. <laughs> When God's doing a new thing in your life, and by the way, this is called persecution. Right? This is called persecution. First Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul actually writes to the church as being persecuted. He says, don't be shaken by these troubles. Again, these are not the troubles of sickness or disease or anything like that, but it's specifically about persecution. He says, don't be shaken by this persecution. And he actually uses this to the line and says, we were destined for it. He says, it's going to come. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to some people not like you. Are you okay with that? When you say yes to Jesus, you said yes to some sort of some form of persecution. Jesus said, "The world hated me, and as my disciple, my hate." We're trying not to be offensive. We're trying not to be misunderstood. But when God gives you a vision, it oftentimes brings about. Division. You're experiencing as a new believer, as a believer, you're experiencing new life. You're, you're connecting with other believers, other people of vision, other people of dreams, other people going in the same direction as you, right? We gather together, like-minded people gather together in the house of God on Sunday. Don't let a few people who are greatly divided discourage you for, from stepping into what God has for you. Not everyone has understood the, God, the call of God in my life. There are people closest to me, family members, that, that don't get it. Not everyone understands the values that we hold. Not everyone understands the steps that you've taken. Not everyone has understood the call. But I love them anyway. I love them anyway. Lastly, the last point is tell your story. I don't have it in there. Okay. Well, the last point is tell your story. Let's go to the last one. Um, tell your story. Don't stop telling your story. What is your story? Oh, it's what you know. Remember in the scriptures what it said. Look what the man says. It's on. It's on in verse twenty-five. It's the B, B clause of verse twenty-five. It says this. John nine verse twenty-five says this. Right. I'm hoping it says this. He says the one thing I do know. So what is your story? It's what you know. The one thing I do know, I don't know everything, but I do know this. I don't know all that's going on, but I do know this. I'm not an expert, but I do know this. I can't tell you everything this guy said, but I do know this. There are a lot of things I don't know. But I do know that there are a lot of things this man would say that I don't understand. I don't understand. And as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, there are some things that you may not understand. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to memorize the entire Bible. You don't have to know what they're talking about in Revelation. You don't have to know. You don't have to talk about. It. You don't have to know all the answers. But tell your story. The one thing I do know. I was blind. And now I see. That. I do know. That's. My story.
You don't have to know all this, all this stuff. All you need to know is I met Jesus and I'm different. I've been born again and I am different. I can now see. Keep telling the story. Tell the story of God's faithfulness. Revelation chapter 12 tells us this, that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome the enemy. By the word of our testimony. The next time he tries to tell you a lie, you tell him, I don't know about all that, but one thing I do know, the devil. <laughs> I was blind and now I see. And then he's got to go, I'll be there again. He got me there again. I was blind, and now I see. How do I overcome all this pressure, Pastor? How do I overcome the enemy when he feels like yeah, I feel like he's pressing in from every side? First of all, turn the TV off. The next thing is by what Christ has done. By what Christ has done for you, believing that, standing in that, and then the word of your testimony. The one thing I do know: what do I do? What do I do when I'm discouraged? Keep telling your story. Keep telling your story. What do I do when I feel persecuted? Tell your story. What do I do when I know that people are deeply divided? Tell your story. Keep telling your story. What do I do when I feel like I've lost my friends? Tell your story. What do I do in a season of transition? Tell your story. The testimony of your life. Remind yourself. Of the goodness of God. I want to share one last scripture with you. Did I put it in there? Psalm 126, Bella? Yeah. So I was in church last week. And um, I, I don't know. Whatever church you go to when you're on vacation. Um, I went to a big church. And it was like mega church, right? And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, let's see if God can move it. Thank you. God can move in a church. God can move in a gathering of people. God can move in a gathering of 2,500 or 20,000, actually. Uh, and this is the scripture that was shared that morning. And speaking of tell your story, tell of God's goodness in your life. Let me read this scripture to you. We'll follow along. When the Lord restored the fortress of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. This is a, a prayer, actually a, um, a psalm of lament within a group of psalms that were psalms of ascent. So as they were ascending to Jerusalem, actually physically the elevation was changing in their ascent to Jerusalem. They were actually singing these psalms, and this is one, a psalm of ascent, but this is actually what meant. Watch. Our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues, songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So those people were going, and it's, it's been said, people that are watching you, it's been said among the nations that the Lord has done great things for them. How do they know that? Because they kept telling their story. And this is the way, this is the, this is the verse that brings it home. 
that many people say the Lord has done great things for them. Can you say in your life this morning that the Lord has done great things for you? Yes. Right. So people would look at your life maybe from the outside looking in and say the Lord has done some great things for that person. And then it brings it home. And in fact, yes, the Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the again in the desert. Listen to this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Are you going through some stuff right now? Are you sowing some tears right now? The Lord, don't forget, the Lord has done great things for you. The Lord has done great things for us. People on the outside will say, boy, the Lord's done great things for that. Yes, the, the psalmist says, the Lord has done great things for us. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Maybe going through something. Maybe right in the thick of it. It's all. It's the hardest thing ever. And you might have gone out and back that up a couple slides where it said, but the Lord it has been good to us. The Lord has been good to us. Has the Lord been good to you? He has done great things for you. Tell your story. Don't stop telling your story. Would you stand as we close and say amen? The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. We're going to tell the story. Our lives bring glory unto the Lord. When God gets the glory, that's good for us. Goodbye, your hands. The time of reflection and prayer, message which is heard. In the message that we just heard, I pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken something to you through this message. We pray in the beginning of the service, right, that that you wouldn't leave here the same as you come in, right? That God's Holy Spirit would do something through His Word in your life. And maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're on the mountaintop. But I've been around people long enough to know that life isn't just all mountains. There are some deep valleys. There are some things that we go through. And the people sitting on your road, you think you know. But you don't really know. Come in, they're all smiles and everything. Oh, look how put together they are. Look at this one. Look at that one. How put together they are. You don't you don't have any idea the valley that they're walking through right now. 
And so I want you to realize this morning that the Lord has done great things for us. That's what the Lord wants for your life. The scriptures are full. I don't know what you've been told about God or how you think God looks at you. The only, you're not allowed to have your own opinion about that because he said how he looks about you, looks at you in his word. And his word is unfallible and it's true. And it is sustaining and it is alive. And you look at his word, that's how he talks to his people. And so you don't get to just have an opinion on how God feels about you. <laughs> because it's revealed in his word. In the Bible I read, the one that, the only Bible, it says that uh, he is for us and not against us. That if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus, you are a new creation. Not a better version of your old self, but actually you have been made new. And so I want to encourage you this morning as you as you reflect on what you've heard and if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning, I sat, I stood where you stand, I understand this feeling. I understand what's going on in your heart right now. I do. But I want you to know this morning with confidence, confidence that comes from on high, not from me. That God will see you through. God will see you through. You may have come off a mountaintop experience like some of our teens that went to tea camp. You may have had that mountaintop experience. It might be your birthday. You might be on the top of the world right now. You might feel that right now. But keep telling your story anyway. That's the best time to tell your story. Whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley, some of you are walking through deep valley, challenging times. You don't know how you're going to get through. That's the best time to tell your story. You get my drift? Keep telling your story about how God has been good to you. When you're going through it, that's a great time to lean on Him. When you're going through really, really deep waters, listen to the story of the fellow believers that are on your road, that are in your family, that are in your life, about how they've made it through some stuff. And I pray that that encourages you, that that keeps you day to day, and that keeps you going day to day, moment by moment. It's hard. We take this time to reflect on what God has said to us, and then we take this time to respond. And no response is your response. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, it's, this is a solemn, sacred moment in this house this morning. Take some time to reflect and take some time to pray with me. Father God, as we bow before you this morning, taking away all distractions around us by bowing our head in reverence and in submission to you, closing our eyes so that we're not distracted, Lord, we're solely focused on you and what you would have for us this morning. God, we take just a few moments to take this opportunity, God, to surrender our lives to you so that we can keep telling our story. If you're here this morning and you, and, and you say, Pastor, I resonate with everything you're saying. I feel like God has really spoken to me this morning. And I've never really committed my life 
I've heard a lot about God, but I don't know him. I've heard a lot about this Jesus you're talking about, telling my story and all that. I've heard a lot about this, but I don't really know him. I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Don't leave here the same as you came in. You say, Pastor, I need this relationship you're talking about so that I can begin this story. I go I'm going through some stuff, and I need you to be right. I need him to be right near me, be right next to me. I need him. I need him. I need him like never before. And I'm ready to surrender my entire life to him. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up where you are. No one's going to judge you or pray or, 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 or single you out or anything like that. But if that's you this morning, you say, I need this fresh relationship with Christ that you're talking about. I don't have what you're talking about. And I know I know, I, I know what I know at Christmas time, but I don't know what you're talking about. But now I know. And I need this relationship that you're talking about so that I can tell my story. And so I have someone to walk through this battle. If that's you this morning, just don't be shy. Just slip your hand up and I'll pray for you. It's important. One other thing and I'll let you go. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I've been in church all my life. But recently I felt kind of far away from God. Pastor, I need to be closer. So you would take your your, your response, and you would twist it this way. You would say, God, I have been far from you, but there was a time when I felt close. And if you need to feel that closeness again, now's your opportunity. I'd like to pray for you as well. You would say, you know what? I'd like to rededicate, refocus, recenter my life on Jesus Christ. I know him. I, I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I just don't live like I know him. But I need to start. If that's you this morning, just again, just raise your hand up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Spirit is moving. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you. Father, you've seen those hands that were raised this morning. You know those people individually, intimately. And I pray, Lord, that as they dedicate and center and focus their life on you, Father, that they would be surrounded by a, a cloud of witnesses. That people would just come around them and celebrate, Lord, that they didn't come in here and walk out the same. That they got, they met the holy God of the universe in person, and God, you spoke to them and quickened something in their spirit that said, Yep, I need that. I felt far and I'm ready to get close. I'm ready to tell my story. Take two more minutes. And pray, saints. Take two more minutes and pray. Because I don't normally do this. But if that was you this morning, you know Jesus Christ died very publicly. He was there for all to see. Hanging on a cross, everybody that walked by. He died very, very publicly. If you responded to what he has for you this morning, and you're serious, I want you to come out, step out of the aisle, walk up to this altar. And I want to pray with you right here, right now, for victory in your life. Don't hesitate. Thank you.
Praise the Lord. Praise God. These are holy tears, folks. Don't worry. <clears throat> Father God, I pray for those that have had the courage, the boldness, and the guts. Raise their hand and in response, Lord, to your your message, to what Lord you have for them this morning. God, I pray that they would walk out of this place ready to tell their story. God, I am thankful for believers like these two that have come this morning. Saints, join me in prayer for them. Reach a hand out, whatever you guys feel comfortable with. But God, in your presence this morning, we celebrate new life. We celebrate, Lord, resurrection power. God, we celebrate being able to tell our story in a world that can seem very dark. But God, you say, take heart. You have overcome the world. You are the light of the world, God. Help those people, Lord, that come, these people that came forward, Lord, help them to shine your light in this dark world, God. It's not easy. It's not, it's not a bed of roses, all unicorns and rainbows. No, it is going to be tough. But God, in the, in the face of division, might they, God, get your vision of your Holy Spirit, God, in their heart, that whatever you have for them, Lord, you will walk through the valleys and you will celebrate on the mountaintops with them, Father. We thank you, Lord, that people all around, Lord, in this room and watching online, these two that have gathered at this altar, Lord, have humbled their hearts and heard from you this morning and responded and had the guts and the courage, Lord. We celebrate new life, God. We celebrate commitment. We celebrate, Lord, being able to tell the world about you. In a dark world, Lord, let us shine a light as we leave this place. And as we depart from here, may we not depart from your presence. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody agrees saying amen and amen. Celebrate the Lord this Don't forget about tonight. The concert is tonight. I have to get here a little early. It looks like it might have gotten a little darker out there. It might rain. But get here a little bit early. Doors open at 6. See you tonight. Don't miss it. See ya. Olivia. I'm really good to talk to her. She's like sitting all the way over there. Put it on the proclaim app. Actually, 